Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Wednesday, December 7th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, more federal dollars are coming to Mississippi to support the state's broadband expansion efforts. Then, exploring the history of the lunatic asylum on the site of UMMC's campus. Plus, how one of the state's John Lewis Leadership Award recipients plans to affect change in the state. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The broadband expansion and accessibility of Mississippi office is getting another infusion of federal funds. Money from the Internet for All grants will help with administrative overhead costs for the agency tasked with mapping out broadband expansion. They're also part of an ongoing investment at the state and national level to make Internet more accessible. Sally Doty is the director of the agency. She provides an update on broadband expansion efforts with our Rhonda Dunaway. It is an ever-changing number. I always say it's kind of like a, a jigsaw puzzle. But we have a good bit of coverage in the state of Mississippi. Uh, of course, our more populous areas have uh, pretty good coverage, uh, you know, down on the coast and uh, around the Jackson-Madison area, DeSoto County, you know, more populous areas in the state have had, could support, you know, private build-out for infrastructure. And, you know, the, the larger providers have, have built out there. Also, um, for the past couple of years, our electric co-ops, many of them have built out uh, infrastructure to their uh, uh, to homes in their service areas as well. So we've really made a lot of progress in Mississippi over the past few years. Now, most recently, I saw where um, the the Biden administration um, was granting Mississippi $5.8 million in uh, towards uh, expanding uh, broadband. Are there any other um, um, money sources that are coming in towards our to our state for this purpose? So the $5.8 million is in planning and administrative funds. So I want to be very, very clear that, um, you know, that is money that will pay um, for salaries for the BEAM office. It will pay for some technical review and expertise that we will need. Um, so that money is, is not necessarily for broadband, or it's not for the broadband infrastructure. And, in fact, $5.8 million would not go very far at all. 
Right. But, uh, there are large grant funds that are that are coming. So the first one is called a capital projects fund. It is from ARPA funding. <coughs> Pardon me. And we are um, slated to receive 162 million from that. That we are waiting on an approval for that to stand up our grant program. So we hope that will happen after the first of the year. <coughs> Pardon me. Then we will have another larger bucket of money, and it it's large. It's going to be from $500 million to maybe even a billion dollars. Um, we don't know that exact amount yet. We will get our <laughs> first allocation um, on June 30th. That is from NTI, the National Tele- Telecommunications and Information Administration. They're the ones handling this grant funding. It's under the affiliated with the FCC. So NTIA will be making those awards, and it's going to be allocated based on your number of served and unserved locations within the state. Okay. How much of our state is still unserved right now? We are working on that right now. Um, I, I hesitate to throw out a number because we are – right in the middle of our mapping process. So we are creating a Mississippi broadband map. And in fact, I I want to uh, give a plug for it right now. Anyone who is listening, if you do not have service or if you have poor service or slow service, if you would go to our website, which is broadbandms.com. Once again, that's broadbandms.com. If you will go to that, you can take a it will automatically run a speed test for your location. And then there's a survey while that speed test runs. There's a survey that takes you through eight or 10 questions, really quick, easy questions. And we're not collecting any personal information. We're just collecting information about what speed you can get at your location. And then perhaps who uses the internet or what you use it for at your location. So we want to encourage everyone um, to visit that website. Now, you know, if you don't have service, you can't really go to a website, right? So we <laughs> yeah. also have a telephone number if you would like to call in. And uh, unfortunately, it's not staffed by a live human. It is an automated call. But if you would call and leave your address, it will prompt you um, to leave your address uh, and and that you have no service or poor service. Uh, that number is 601 439 and I'm going to give you that number one more time. It is 601-439-2535. You, you can also text that number. Uh, it's text Internet to that number, and uh, it will give you a prompt back, and you can leave your address there. So we are all of that will go to this – all of that data that we collect will go to this broadband map um, that we are working on right now. Right now, you, you – you're finally trying to fill in the gap of access to broadband. And so um, what gaps do you think will be filled by creating broadband in places where we haven't had it before? What does what type of opportunities might that open up? Uh, there are so many opportunities that will open up in Mississippi. You know, I, I see it for, for telehealth especially. Uh, we have a shortage of medical providers in some of our more rural areas of the state, and, and this way you can access. If we've got service to your home, you can access it. Um, also, just for for people who maybe have uh, mobility issues, 
you know, how wonderful to be able to, to sit in your own home and environment and access your doctor's appointment instead of having to struggle to get to the doctor. I've, I've experienced that with my own mother while I, I took care of her. But also education, you know, everything, all the kids now, you've got to have the Internet to uh, do your homework, uh, complete assignments. Um, so we want to make sure that our kids have in Mississippi, our students have the same educational opportunities that, that kids across the nation have. Then just remote work. So many people work remotely. Opens up a lot of opportunities there uh, to to work maybe at a an existing Mississippi business or maybe you're working for a business that's located somewhere else over in, uh, you know, in Tennessee or New York or wherever. But you're able to do it from your own home, your kitchen table uh, in Mississippi. And I think that's so good for um, we talk about brain drain a lot. And I think many young Mississippians would love to stay right here. Uh, and that way they could stay here, have have a great quality of life, uh, but yet still have that job and some opportunities um, that they're looking for. Sally Doty, uh, director of BEAM, I thank you so much for taking time out of your very, very busy day to talk to us. Uh, I hope you have a good rest of your day. Thank you. I sure will. Coming up, exploring the history of the Lunatic Asylum on the site of UMMC's campus. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Listen to MPB Think Radio at 10 on weekday mornings for shows about your legal rights, modern technology, car repair, and other topics of interest. Programs made by Mississippians for Mississippians on MPB Think Radio. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. A new multidisciplinary study is underway at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. But for this one, researchers are trading scalpels for shovels. The medical school sits on the grounds of what was once the Mississippi Lunatic Asylum, and one of the remaining original sites includes a cemetery. As part of the years-long Asylum Hill project, archaeologists will begin the exhumation of burial sites on campus. Dr. Ralph Ditlake is the Director of Bioethics and Medical Humanities at UMMC. He says the project includes remembering those buried at the cemetery and researching their lived experiences. In part one of our conversation, Ditlake breaks down the 80-year history of the asylum, which was in operation from 1855 to 1935. The term asylum in 1855 represented um, a place of refuge, a place where an individual can, could go to be protected, to seek asylum. Um, over the years, um, Hollywood and other narratives have generated a negative connotation of, asi- of the word asylum. But as it was originally envisioned in this institution, it was really a place of refuge and healing. And what about lunatic? Well, uh, again, 
that was the cultural norm of the day in the mid-19th century. That was what uh, a person with mental health issues, uh, how they were commonly referred. Uh, that was the cultural norm. Again, over time, those norms evolve. And the great example is in 1900, the state of Mississippi renamed the institution the Mississippi Hospital for the Insane. And now, in the early 21st century, we would not use the term insane. So the, um, the, the cultural norms for how we um, refer to the uh, individuals with mental health issues evolves over time. The Asylum Hill Project, I understand, is having an event where you're going to be recording oral histories about the old asylum. It's called Madness in Mississippi, the State Lunatic Asylum, 1855 to 1935. Can you explain what that's going to be about? Yes, this is one of many community outreach programs we have been conducting really over the past 10 years. Uh, We have gone across the state speaking at libraries and civic groups and genealogy groups and college campuses to uh, explain what the project is about and to engage descendants of patients and staff who were at the asylum over its 80-year histories. Um, the, The patients at the asylum represent all of us. They come from every county in Mississippi, every demographic group, and they have a, there is a descendant community out there, and we want their stories. We want to know what the family histories are of those individuals who um, became patients at the asylum and those folks who worked at the asylum. Have you met people who were at the asylum and workers and family members? We have met a large number of family members of, of uh, patients. The patients who were at the asylum are long since dead, and we're now uh, engaging really a second generation removed from those individuals. But there are still lots of family stories out there, and we want to, um, we want to capture those stories, record them, and make it part of our effort to um, bring the asylum patients back into the community, to memorialize them uh, in whatever way we can, because those individuals were marginalized in life by being put in an asylum at a time when uh, there was much more stigma around mental health issues than there is today. And then those individuals who died at the asylum and were buried in the asylum cemetery were marginalized in death in a large, now unmarked cemetery. So we want to do what we can uh, to bring uh, identity and humanity to these individuals and tell their stories. And that cemetery is still on the campus. That is correct. It currently occupies the last undeveloped space on our landlocked campus. Uh, as we go forward, we will, uh, we will need to be good stewards of the resources that we have here, including that land. That land will be built on, if not 
five years from now, certainly 50 years from now. So now is our opportunity to uh, excavate the burials in a uh, professional and ethical way and uh, make the land available for our uh, future patients and memorialize the individuals all at the same time. Have you begun that at all? Yes. Um, we uh, The project has been going on for about 10 years, working up to the point that just last month we began excavation of the burials. Dr. Ralph Ditlake is Director of Bioethics and Medical Humanities at UMMC in part two of our conversation. So all of these things influenced the type of patients, the diagnoses that came there for care, and the resources available to care for them. So it's a very rich, complicated history. It can't be seen in, in any one way. More on the institution, the cemetery, and the Asylum Hill Project. Coming up, how one of the state's John Lewis Leadership Award recipients plans to affect change in the state. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. We've got you on Wednesdays with our MPB local shows. DIY suggestions are broadcast at 9 a.m. on Fix It 101. Everyday Tech explains electronic issues at 10. Southern Remedy at 11 covers a variety of health issues. Find all our podcasts on mpbonline.org slash radio. Think of us as your knowledge partner. MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. The John Lewis Youth Leadership Award was created in 2021 by the National Association of Secretaries of State. It seeks to recognize gifted, civic-minded youth individuals in the state each year. This year, Secretary of State Michael Watson has announced Maisie Brown of Hines County and Bobby Hudson of Harrison County as recipients of the award. Hudson is a B.A. candidate in public policy leadership at the University of Mississippi, where civic engagement is centered on voting rights. That's its focus, and he shares his thoughts on receiving the award and his plans to make change in Mississippi. I'm truly honored to have received such a prestigious award, most definitely with the namesake behind it. I think this is something that definitely has changed my perception on how I impact my community. There was a professor that recommended you. What yes, do you I, think it was about you that stood out with one of your professors? I believe that Dr. Holland has seen me in action uh, and seen my passions at, in creating opportunities and educating my communities in various different areas. And so I believe that he felt as if I was deserving of such a, uh, an amazing award because of my dedication to not only my community here at the University of Mississippi, but my community back home as well as the state community overall. This award says that the recipient shows a meaningful commitment to address civil rights, including but not limited to, as you mentioned, voting rights, but to bring about change. Are you seeing change in what you're doing in terms of educating people about the vote? 
slowly but surely. And I think that it's going to take more than just myself to really start combating this issue that we're having as it relates to voting in our state. And so myself and and other individuals throughout our state are really going to have to challenge our communities and give our communities the resources that they need so that not only that they're just involved in election processes, but they understand the importance of why they vote, why they should vote. Uh, no matter whether it's a local election, state election, or federal election, we want to show our community why it's important that they cast their vote and they're involved in political processes and how that in return will innovate our state and change our state for the better. What organization or organizations are you working with on this? So uh, primarily, I founded the North Gulfport Advocacy Coalition, which is an organization that's uh, dedicated to voter education and engagement in the Gulfport community. And it focuses primarily on impoverished and minority communities trying to uh, increase the access and information that they have as it relates to elections. Um, but also, um, through some other formats, through a student organization I started here at the University of Mississippi by the name of the Society for Blacks and Political Studies, or UMBIPS for short. We are, it, it's a student organization that's dedicated to one, preparing black students and minority students to go into careers in policy, law, and government to be able to be effective change agents in these areas. And so in the organization, we give them resources, connections, and, and education that will make them successful in these potential careers that they will be going into. But on top of that, the service piece of UMBIPS is really dedicated to giving our peers here at the university the access and knowledge needed to for them to be able to not only engage in uh, engage in political processes, but as well as for them to go back into their communities, their home communities, and spread the knowledge and awareness that they've gained about voting and elections, and take that back to those respective their respective communities. And so. Um, through, through both of these organizations, we facilitate various styles of discussions, centrally facilitate various styles of discussions with the North Gulfport Advocacy Coalition. We focus primarily on municipal town halls, community discussions where the community can speak directly and informally with uh, elected officials or individuals who will be running for office. And then on the collegiate level, we focus on topics. Uh, and issues that our state are, challenge, are challenged with and how us as young leaders and college students can begin to combat these issues or what can we do to find resources to take back into our community to start addressing some of these issues. Ultimately, what do you want to do? So I would like to, I'm a strong, strong advocate and believer in staying in the state of Mississippi. I and I'm proud and I love my state and I know that there are some areas where we need to change and really innovate. But that'll never happen if all of the talented Mississippians who receive the education continue to leave. And so uh, I believe it's pertinent that individuals like myself stay back in Mississippi to, to be able to ignite the change that we want to see. So my goal primarily is to be involved in municipal and state government for various formats that will allow me to utilize my skills and utilize my talents and passions to ignite sustainable changes that, it, that we would all like to see throughout our state. So does that mean you're going to run for elected office? Yes, I do plan to run for elected office. Um, and so uh, I, I hope that my collegiate experience as well as my experience in my community uh, will 
it is preparing me to be effective in whatever leadership capacity I uh, may end up running for in the future. Being a recipient of an award named after such a prestigious person as John Lewis, does that raise the bar for you at all as in terms of your goals? Yeah, it definitely challenges me, encourages me to uh, exceed the expectations that I've set for myself. And so I'm not uh, I'm not completely limited to those areas in which I've, I've known that I've desired to go into, which is municipal and state government. But also I'm a strong believer in taking the route, whatever, um, whatever opportunities are placed in front of me that would really ignite sustainable change, I'm willing to step into those atmospheres, whether I'm comfortable in them or not, to ensure that we, we get that change that we want to see and, and to ignite that innovation that we need. So I'm um, definitely not um, constrained to um, what I currently aspire for myself. And so wherever I might need to be to make effective change, whether it's in our state or throughout our nation, I'm definitely open to being in those spaces. All right. Well, Bobby Hudson, a senior at the University of Mississippi and the recent Uh, recipient of the National Association of Secretary of State's John Lewis Youth Leadership Award. Congratulations, and thank you for speaking with us, and all the best to you in your future endeavors. Thank you so much, and I'm looking forward to seeing Mississippi move forward. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.